Welcome to our Exchanges at Goldman Sachs Market Update for March 27th. Every week, we check in with leaders across the firm to get their quick take on what they're watching in markets, and there's certainly a lot to watch. I'm Jake Stewart, and today's guest is Andrew Wilson of our Consumer and Investment Management Division. We're obviously working remotely like many others, so I'm dialing in from New York, and Andrew's over in London, and he'll be catching us up on the latest movements in European markets. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you very much, Jake. So before we jump in, just, uh, Andrew, give us a quick intro and tell us what your focus area is here at the firm. So my responsibility is for fixed income and liquidity business within the Goldman Sachs asset management business. Okay. So obviously, uh, we've been seeing a lot of volatility in U.S. equity markets. How have European markets been trending the last few weeks? And has it been pretty much working in parallel with the volatility we've seen in the U.S.? Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at what the underlying cause here, of course, is that, you know, it's a global phenomenon. You know, the coronavirus having started in, in Asia and moving around the rest of the world, we've seen that volatility across all markets. And as listeners will be aware, really Europe is now being described as the epicenter. There's certainly many more deaths that have happened, uh, unfortunately, in Europe than there has been in China. So European markets really have been very much in the eye of the storm. So the volatility that you will have witnessed in the US has played out across European markets, whether that is in the uh, fixed income, equity or currency markets in the same way that we've seen in the US. So certainly the focus is on what policy responses are coming out of Europe just as much as it is out of the US. So Andrew, Europe was ahead of the US in seeing some significant outbreaks. Why are European markets so closely tied to the US Fed response? Well, I think firstly, we've got to acknowledge that, as you said, Europe was ahead of this. And so, you know, the focus really was what of the response from the European Central Bank. But importantly, the US dollar is still the world's reserve currency. So the actions of the Federal Reserve and their ability to ensure that there are liquid markets functioning effectively in US dollars remains critical to all financial markets. So one, it's important that the US liquidity remains as good as it possibly can. Uh, and then secondly, that the actions that deal specifically with European assets, and here I would point uh, point to Italian government bonds, uh, again, as being supported by the European Central Bank measures. So that combination of uh, the reserve currency and the importance that plays or the Fed plays in determining market liquidity combined with measures specifically dealing with the European issues, you know, I think that combination is important in terms of providing Providing some stability and liquidity to global markets. So the U.S. obviously has the ability to do a national stimulus package on the fiscal side. And as you said, with new leadership at the ECB, they were able to step in and, and make a big move on QE. What are you seeing on the fiscal side in Europe? And are market participants focused on that at all? Yeah, look, you make a very good point, Jake, that in the US, it's it's not always straightforward, as we've seen through the passage of this two trillion package, but it certainly is much easier to do it in a single country than it is across a large number of countries. So I think the ECB has really been the driving force behind providing stimulus and liquidity to the market. But like other countries, what is important equally is the combination of monetary and fiscal. And there has been some more talk. And indeed, today we have a, a meeting of EU leaders that was following a meeting of uh, EU finance ministers earlier in the week to try and come up with some measures to have a coordinated fiscal response. The discussion is around using the European stability mechanism, so the ESM, to provide some form of funding to countries. 
the debate and discussion is really around the terms and conditions or what is being referred to as conditionality around the use of that facility. I don't think there's a large amount of optimism in the markets today that we are expecting anything imminent, but it is, I think, encouraging that that is being talked about and discussed, and certainly markets are focusing on that. I think where we are today, any announcement within the next week even would be viewed as a positive surprise uh, if we can find some way to have a coordinated fiscal response. But it is definitely more challenging across the EU27 than it is, uh, is across the US. Well, as you mentioned, um, Italy's been at the epicenter of this for, for a while now. And and one thing that's restored a little bit of confidence, it seems, is that there were some early signs of a virus slowdown in Italy. How are markets responding to that? And what's your analysis? Yeah, look, I think we need to acknowledge that uh, we're not medical experts and uh, all of us are learning in terms of how the, the, the virus is playing out. I think we take a small amount of comfort from the fact that we are seeing a reduction in the number of infections. Equally, I think we're looking at China. Clearly, they were ahead in this process and did the lockdowns that seem to be necessary to reduce infections. And of course, we've seen, as people refer to, the curve flattened there. So over the course of the last week or so, very few new cases, certainly new on the ground cases. So it's early days in Italy to get too optimistic. And we you know, have to be humble about our ability to analyze uh, an event like this. But I think there is some encouragement from Asia that uh, with the right measures, the lockdown measures, although they have a great deal of economic harm, they certainly reduce significantly the infection rates. And given that's what we are also seeing in Italy now, I think there is some optimism, maybe cautious optimism, admittedly, but nevertheless, some optimism that we may be getting to the point that we begin to see a reduction in infection rates. But I wouldn't want to put too much weight on it. It's still relatively early days, but uh, you know, we're all keeping our fingers crossed that we are able to get this terrible uh, virus under control. So you're obviously in dialogue with a lot of clients. What's the biggest question you've been getting from clients this week? Yeah, it's very interesting, Jake, because as you say, we are in in, uh, discussion with a large number of clients. And I think it's amazing and how sentiment can change the tone of those conversations. This week, as we've seen markets bounce back actually pretty strongly as we talk here today, suddenly those conversations, and really this is just the last few days, have turned into opportunities. Is this the time to deploy more capital into some of the riskier assets that have uh, really seen very significant markdowns? So, you know, there are people now beginning to think about deploying capital too early to say that that's going to turn into flood of money. But nevertheless, there is a little more optimism around, you know, having a view on where the end game is here uh, and thinking that this could be a good time to deploy at least some capital uh, at prices that look, you know, significantly cheaper than they were at the start of the, the year. That's for sure. There's always a buyer for every seller. So what's one thing you're looking at in the week ahead for European or, or more broadly the global markets? Well, I think the key issue is there's been a large number of uh, fiscal measures put in place, both in the US, Europe, and uh, even here in the UK. One of the key aspects is going to be the ability to deploy that capital. So as we know, business activity is absolutely stopped. It's going to have a very significant impact on the financial position of particularly smaller companies and all the employees of those companies, uh, governments are being very proactive in responding to that with the various measures. But, you know, the, the money may have stopped today and, and we've got to be sure that the, the government measures 
get that money to where it's needed to the businesses, to the individuals in a timely manner. So I think looking at those measures, the deployment of them and how effective they're going to be, I think is going to be the critical issue in terms of just seeing, you know, how severe this downturn is going to be. I think looking, you know, beyond just the sort of one to two week time horizon, I think we will all continue to watch the infection rates in China and as the measures there to reduce many of the restrictions that uh, were put in place just to see what happens to infection rates. So if we do see, uh, you know, the economy is able to open up, people get back to work um, and not see any meaningful uptick in infection rates, I think the markets will, again, take a great deal of comfort from the fact that, uh, you know, there is an ability to really restrain this uh, spread of the virus. Well, it's nice to end on an encouraging, a cautionary but encouraging note. Thanks for joining us today, Andrew. My pleasure. Thank you. That's all for this week's Markets Update on exchanges of Goldman Sachs. And in case you missed it, check out our other episode this week with Goldman Sachs Research top strategists and economists who discuss revisions to U.S. growth forecasts amidst the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak. Thank you for listening, and I hope everyone is staying healthy and safe. This podcast was recorded on March 26, 2020. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.